I'm very optimistic about this year. If the first few weeks of January, anything to go by. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Rasafari Podcast. All right, y'all. So uh, I'm going to get this part out of the way first for a change. Make sure that you hit subscribe to make sure that you don't miss any episodes of the Rasafari Podcast. Also, leave a rating or review on whatever app you're listening on to help. Make sure you're following along on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rasafari. TikTok at Rossafari Pod, and um, you can always support the pod by going to patreon.com slash Rossafari. Whew. Okay, the busy work is out of the way. And now it is time to have some fun. Today, I am bringing you an episode with my good friend, Elena Bell. Elena is the marketing and PR manager at the Akron Zoo. Actually, I should say that Elena is the award-winning marketing and PR manager at the Akron Zoo, but we'll get to that in the interview. All I'm going to say here is that it's a really cool story and that the Rossafari podcast was part of it. Like a tiny part, but hey, we take what we can. Um, But yeah, I'm just, you know, Elena is really cool. And if you've listened to the pod before, uh, you have heard Elena on here. Every time I've been to Akron, she's hanging out. She's part of the interview. I've even uh, interviewed her a little bit uh, in the segment about Wild Asia when that exhibit first opened. But I feel like this is the first time that I really get to sit down and talk one-on-one with Elena about her life and her job. And I'll tell you what. Being a marketing and PR manager for an amazing zoo like Akron is a real good job. She gets to hang out with all the animals and um, she gets these amazing videos. She gets to find out what going viral is like. She, as I said, wins awards. She created the Panda Palace web TV series that was so popular um, back in 2021. And it's it's all just just awesome, fun, good, cool stuff that she gets to do. Well, okay, I'm lying. There's a lot of that fun and good stuff. But, you know, so much marketing nowadays is on the internet. And um, trolls live there. So, you know, Elena and I get real on this one. We talk about the good, but we talk about the bad. We, we talk about the struggles. But, you know, this is another one of those things where this is a career that's at a zoo, and it's not a zookeeper, but you're going to learn a lot about animals and her animal interactions, but also just about a really important role at the zoo and uh, what it can look like. And I'm, I'm excited to share that with y'all, especially with someone as cool as Elena. I really like this human and she's been a huge supporter of the pod. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited for that. But you don't just get Elena on this episode because we talk for about a half hour and then we head on outside. You see, the whole point of having me visit Akron this time around was that they have started doing some brand new get closer experiences where you get to meet animals such as goats or Galapagos tortoises or the bears there who you heard on my first episode from the Akron Zoo or the red pandas. So I got to go and experience what a get closer is like at the zoo, and I got to go into the panda habitat. So the second half of this episode is my time with the red pandas and keeper Lisa, who was also on the episode um, when they debuted Wild Asia back in 2021. And uh, you're going to learn about the pandas that are at the zoo. You're going to hear me interacting with Lulu and and feeding her. Um, And then we go into their habitat, and you're going to get to go on an audio tour of the indoor portion of the uh, 
red panda habitat at the Akron Zoo. It is a really good time. I, I will tell you that uh, our good friend Colleen Lenahan came along and hung out and and got to be a part of all of it. Um, you won't really hear much of Colleen, but you might hear her laughing in the background a couple of times. Um, and yeah, it's it's pretty great. And then as if all of this isn't good enough, there, there was a kind of weird thing to me. I mean, I was the one being weird, but I, I was kind of curious about how something works. And uh, I realized that the best way to answer it after I left would be to have a veterinarian talk about it. So you'll also get to hear from Dr. Zoe Rossi in a segment towards the end of this episode. This one really has it all. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Elena and then Lisa of the Akron Zoo. <laughs> So let's start off by you telling me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. Hello. Yes, I am Elena Bell. I'm the marketing and PR manager here at the Akron Zoo. Yeah, you are. And I am so excited to actually have you on mic instead of babbling incoherently off mic. I mean, um, adding really wise commentary off mic occasionally. That's a good save. Good save there. Thank you. I thought so. No, um, but I'm I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, And we are here to talk about a specific topic. But as I like to do, screw that. Let's uh, let's start off by talking about you. Oh, all right. Yeah. So how did you get to the Akron Zoo? I actually started here as an intern for a communications department. Um, I studied advertising at school and realized I do not want to go out there and push products like toothpaste and stuff like that. I wasn't here for that. I wanted to be actually doing good with my degree. And so I started looking at nonprofits in the area that had in-house marketing and found the Akron Zoo, applied, got the internship, and was blown away. I was educated by what the zoo does and how it helps animals and people alike and just, yeah, completely fell in love. After my internship ended, I never let them forget me. So I was like, hey, remember me? Remember hey, you were me? marketing. Yeah. It's often I was like, oh, you have a levy campaign. Please let me come in and help you. And uh, then two years after my internship, a full-time position came up and I, I snagged it. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. What was your um, kind of history with and, and thoughts about and understandings about zoo and animals in general before uh, doing that? I've always been a big animal lover. Uh, I've had pets my whole life. So always been a fan of animals and a fan of zoos. I've always enjoyed going to them, getting to see the animals, spending time at each habitat. Uh, I can go to a habitat sometimes and maybe spend an hour at one looking at you, National Zoo Panda Habitat. <laughs> but uh, so I've always been in- enjoying, but the passion came when I really got to learn what are we doing to save our planet and save our animals? Yeah, no. And um, does it feel really good being able to like be the person sharing that message with so many people? Most days, yes. But like any other person, I'm human and the trolls can get to me uh, and stuff. And they, it can be upsetting because you're never going to get through to them. And so that can always be a struggle. But most days it is really fun to be able to share the stories of our animals and what we're doing here at the Akron Zoo. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Let's talk about the trolls for a second because okay. I get a lot of them too. Mm. Um, and so uh, how do you how do you handle that situation? Basically, it's experience, learning who can be rationed with, who can be educated, and who's just a keyboard warrior that you're never going to get through to them. They're always going to fight back and just – Bless and release is what we like to say here. And there's no responding to them. I just let them go uh, and stuff. And sometimes we have really dedicated followers here at the Akron Zoo and they will defend us. And I don't even need to step in. So they will step in and defend us. And that is so much more meaningful for other people to see others sticking up for us rather than us sticking up for ourselves. So, um, and then there's people who truly just don't understand and it's an educational moment and it's really great to see them come to that realization. No, yeah, totally. I, um, I do the same thing. I try to figure out whether or mm-hmm. not I can engage with somebody and whether they're looking to learn or whether they're looking to troll and move on. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've gotten pretty good at, at figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back and look at some of the videos with me drumming with Emily, I failed sometimes. 
Um, it happens. That's how you learn. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Uh, but I, I love when you can educate someone. There mm-hmm. was somebody who posted this thing and they were like, you know, um, blah, 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 this zoo, blah, blah, blah. And I responded and they were like, oh, thank you. I did not know that. I feel so much better now. And I was like, is this the internet? That's not yeah. how the internet works. <laughs> you didn't even call me a name. <laughs> there are those rare ones. Yeah, it's always nice when that can happen. Um, but I do, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do as a, mm-hmm. as an inside outsider is mm-hmm. like when I do jump into a comment section of a zoo that I respect and have visited, um, invariably somebody's like, oh, so you profit from them or like you – and I'm like, no, no. If anything, I lose money to go to these zoos because I'm paying for the gas and stuff <laughs> and, and you know, to share their stories. So it's, um, it's nice to be able to have that impact. But I just Mm – trolling is such a weird thing to me. Mm -hmm. I just don't get it. I just – I've been studying a little bit about how like just the perceptions of things. Um, I think I've told the story on here before, but just real quick. Like there's a study out there that um, I think Pew Research, some some big like actual, Mm -hmm. you know, polling company, uh, did research on the Game of Thrones finale. Because that is known as like the most hated – like everyone's like, oh, they screwed up the last season, blah, blah, blah. And you can think what you want, whatever. Cool. I was – Okay with some of it. Some of it I didn't love, whatever. But like it wasn't the disaster in my mind that a lot of people said it mm-hmm. was. Um, and if you if you look online and if you even read articles that just are based on Twitter and such, um, uh, most people hated it with a passion of a thousand burning suns. Yes. So it turns out, according to Pew, um, that 70-some percent, I want to say 73 percent of people were okay with to liked the ending. Um, and it's just the 20 some percent are very online mm-hmm. and very loud. And that's amazing to me. Like, that's not bad. I'd be pretty happy if 75 or 73 percent of the people who listen to the podcast stuck around and, and loved it. That'd yeah. be great. But, but even, even my mom who never saw a, a, an episode of Game of Thrones was like, Oh, I know you like that show and I'm sorry that the ending's like the worst thing ever. And I'm like, get, get offline. Just, just get <laughs> offline. I, it wasn't my favorite thing, but I was actually okay with it. And, and like, yeah. And re- again, regardless of what you think, I just find the statistics fascinating. Yeah. You know, you're more likely to shout loudly about a bad experience than you are about a good experience. And there's a lot of research in that as well. And it's, it is unfortunate because I know I personally, I didn't love the finale, but I didn't hate it. Right, yeah. I would argue that the finale of How I Met Your Mother was the worst thing in the entire oh, world. I hate that finale so much. Just ruined the whole show. <laughs> yes, I am so with you on that. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll stop talking about television because I almost <laughs> went into a better call Saul story. But anyway, uh, let's talk about animals. So um, speaking of shouting about not bad behaviors mm-hmm. or not bad activities, uh, let, let's, let's talk about good activities. So we just got to go and hang out with the pandas here. Yes, you did. And that was awesome. Um, and y'all will be able to hear that. Uh, but let's, let's talk about the, the, the encounter because this mm-hmm. is a thing that people can do now. Yes. And it's not just pandas, although who cares about the other ones? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There but are some good ones. There are some good. I mean, I've, I've met the bears here mm-hmm. when I, my first episode here and now other people can do that too. Mm-hmm. Galapagos tortoises. Yes. Like this is really cool. So, um, let's talk about that. Yeah, so we now offer what we call get closer experiences. And these kind of replace the old mentality of a behind the scenes tour, but you get to, it's more experiencing with the animals rather than getting to see the behind the scenes. You get to do that as well, but it's more animal focused. And so you get to meet these animals that you might not get to see so up close. You get to feed them, uh, experience a training session with their keepers. And then sometimes there's also other special things like our galops might need a scratch. They love scratches. Their necks are very sensitive. And if you have nails, oh, they're going to love you. <laughs> I I watched a guest. I am looking at your perfectly manicured yeah. <laughs> nails and thinking, you just did that for the tortoises, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I watched a guest do a get closer with our Galapagos tortoises and Boxy froze because in like this perfect pose to give her access to her neck because this lady had acrylic nails oh. and she was like, yes. So you get to do stuff like that. Give the Galapagos tortoises a nice neck scratch, uh, feed them. Uh, we get to meet our animal ambassadors, which are, are animals not out on habitat, but they go out on programs to schools and libraries and places and so the general public don't get to meet these animals regularly. We also have our grizzly bears, our red pandas. Those are our more top-end experiences. But then there's also the goats. Don't knock the goats. Goats are amazing. Goats are amazing. And they'll if you're having a bad day, 
do a goat get closer because they're going to snuggle up to you and be so excited to see you and they're just going to make you feel so much better about yourself. So goats are great for bad days. Uh, then there's um, also we're adding penguins. Oh, so really? The penguins nice. are coming. We had to um, do some precautions with bird flu, but we will be adding the penguin get closer here in March. So we're nice. getting close there. So you get to feed them and get to know their very interesting personalities because when you have 17 penguins together, you're going to have a very interesting bunch. Absolutely. Yeah. I met, I met 11 penguins yesterday and it was mm. quite the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, that was at Lehigh Valley where they also do that. So, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. My good normal life. I was, you know, five hours away at a different zoo meeting, different animals yesterday. I'm, <laughs> Very tired. Very content, but very tired. I I get it. I <laughs> get <alive>. it. <laughs> um yeah, no, but these all sound amazing. And um what um what kind of stuff, you know, I mean you said a little bit you can feed, you can meet, but like mm-hmm. like how how cool are these and how long do they last and what people that have done them, what's the, the reaction been so far? They range anywhere from fifteen minutes to half an hour and the while that that range is so different because you just never know how the animals are going to feel that day. I mean, everybody has their day where you want to talk to people and hang out with people more and other days where you, no, I'm not feeling this. It's the same with the animals and we can't predict that. So we just try to go with the flow. Um, but there has been some really great reactions from people who are just stoked because you were literally in the same space as Lulu the Red Panda, our famous Lulu. Famous. It was awesome. Yes. And, and she gave you the reaction that we were hoping for. She saw your camera and was like, yes, yes, I'm here for this. And it's just, yeah, you're creating memories that you wouldn't otherwise be able to create and stuff. And you're never going to forget that experience. Well, you might because you get to do this regularly. I won't. <laughs> I still, I swear to God, every single one is, st- it, it, it's, it's, it's been hundreds of animals now and, and 40 some red pandas. And I still, every time mm-hmm. it's like the first time I'm like a little kid, mm-hmm. um, which you guys will hear on the recording because my voice shoots up like two octaves and yeah. Um, but you know, we, we mentioned uh, the famous red panda yes, and that was in part because of a very cool marketing campaign uh, when Wild Asia came here. Yes. And um, it is now, and I, I mentioned this on Zoo News, but uh, a an award-winning marketing campaign. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So the award was officially for our entire Wild Asia campaign, which covered billboards, TV, radio, uh, media, podcasts, like Rafari. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you submitted mine. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> and then also social media. Right. And so we did a whole web series called Panda Palace, which was leading up to the opening of Wild Asia, talking about our new red pandas once they moved here to the Akron Zoo and what it was like the process of leading up to a big opening like that, getting adjusted to their new home, their new habitats, and just learning learning what they like, what they don't like, their training and all of that. But what was really great is their personalities are just fantastic. They're, you never know what you're going to get with animals, but they, they, we hit the, the gold mine with them because they're just fantastic, especially Lulu. Cause she, <laughs> she saw that GoPro the first time I walked in there and was like, yes, I am here for this. And she did all the camera boops and yep. I posted the camera boops with education. That's the great thing about Panda Palace is it was adorable, but I also was able to basically sneak in some education there with people and have them learn about red pandas and conservation and all of that. But really, people came for the camera boops. And after the first episode aired, I realized I tapped into the Facebook algorithm. And so if you look through your Facebook news feed, you see the suggested for you uh, that we hit that. And so every single episode, and there were 20 total episodes, Facebook did suggested for you. And so we gathered quite an audience worldwide. We actually hit five continents with every episode. Wow. Yeah. So uh, – Africa, 
and Antarctica, right. obviously, um, were they were not here for Panda Palace, but every other one um, we had representation of it, with the majority being in North America and then the second in uh, Asia. Nice. Very mm-hmm. cool. That's awesome. Yes. So she was quite the award winner. And then we w- did receive top honors in marketing from the Association of Zoos and Aquariums this past year. So that that felt good. <laughs> that was at the conference they announced it. I yelled. I yelled very happily for y'all. You were too busy yelling yourselves to notice. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. but I, I appreciate it. I was just at some other random table with random people screaming like an idiot. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Thank you. We yeah, appreciate it. It was very cool. But also like it's so funny like you mentioned the algorithm. And like you just never mm-hmm. know what's going to hit. And like so – I was telling you earlier that the me drumming with Emily, there there are three videos out there now. And between them all, they have over a hundred million views, which so is awesome. insane and awesome and great and has had a huge impact on the pod and all the things. It's just it's been lovely. Hundred million views. Those come from Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. Facebook basically doesn't know. That I play drums with an elephant. Yeah. It is the weirdest freaking thing. Also, like, other stuff that I have posted that is, I think, cuter or more interesting maybe even, you know, 6,000 views. And 100 million views. And I don't understand yeah. it. And and so I'm curious, do you, like, as you study this stuff, do you, do you know more about why that stuff hits? Did you think, like, not think in terms of, like, this is cute and good work, but just in terms of whatever the random algorithm is that day that Panda Palace mm-hmm. is going to hit? Do you, like, take steps to do that? Or was it just that hit and now Mila, the snow leopard, is hit, but then, mm-hmm. like, other stuff you post, it's like no one cares? Yeah. Well, with TikTok, what's really challenging is they have the algorithm algorithm in top secret lockboxes. So it's really hard to figure out what is the <laughs> algorithm. And so I take a guess. I'm like, I don't know if this video is going to do well or not. And sometimes I'm taken by surprise by uh, a video I didn't expect to do good, did amazing, or a video I thought was going to be amazing, didn't do as awesome as I thought. So it's just a guess on TikTok. Um, Instagram and Facebook, there is there is no like knowledge to figure out the algorithm and stuff, but it's really getting in that suggested for you for Facebook really was the winner for us with Panda Palace, which is interesting because Instagram didn't really care for Panda Palace. <laughs> and I Too think, many pandas, not enough elephants, apparently. <laughs> well, and I think part of it is because it was before they restructured to keep up with TikTok. Gotcha. So it was still IGTV, which no one watched nope. because it wasn't successful. Reels weren't a thing yet um, and stuff. And we weren't on TikTok yet. So uh, it, that would not come for another year. But um, so it was very interesting to see Facebook love this. And then Instagram didn't because it was too long and it wasn't the right orientation. And it's just social media is fickle. The platforms are fickle. And also meta likes to change, th- change things daily. Yeah. I will log in. I'm like, it's different again. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really like as somebody who doesn't, you know, I, I don't even really like social media that much. Mm-hmm. I use it for Rossafari. I realize like maybe I post on Facebook like four times a year, like as John, yeah. and uh, log into Rossi Drums on Insta maybe once a month. Like I'll log in mm-hmm. if somebody messages me something, but otherwise, like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just don't post. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't do personal social media. But then for Rossafari, I'm on social media like more than anyone I know. It's it's a really weird thing. But yeah, I just. I didn't know that I was going to have to care about this and try to figure right? it out. And then every time I think I've cracked the code, I'm like, aha, 20 likes. An aha. And yep. then, you know, I post a random – I always like to tell the story that um, the whole, uh, you know, drumming with elephants thing, um, I wasn't going to post. It felt very personal to me. Um, and And the zoo posted it and it started to go a little bit. And even then I was like, whatever. Like that's cool. Like it will get, you know, some traction. And then um, I was watching it. While sitting on a toilet and uh, <laughs> yep, I know. And I was just, I was watching it because it meant so much to me that I was just watching my own thing. And I was like, you know what? I should probably put this out in the world. And by the time I was off the toilet, it was already blowing up. And I was like, oh, and I changed everything because I had a poop that day. That's my own poop story. Poop story. That's I so mean, funny. Literally like I wasn't going to, but I was sitting there and I was, and I was like, okay, you know, if I just had a pee at that moment, I don't know that that would be in the world. It's very weird. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought poop changed your, <laughs> yeah. your world? My whole world. <laughs> I know I'm an idiot, but uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you accommodating the idiocy. Uh, <laughs> we all have our moments. <laughs> yeah, we, we've spent enough time together. I'm aware that you have yours as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so what is the marketing campaign for these new uh, encounters going to look like? What's the plan? So it's what we're calling a micro campaign. So we are not going to be doing TV, radio, billboards or anything like that. That's very expensive. Um, There's just going to be a lot of campaigns via social media um, and through posts, but also through advertising because you can do it differently um, on Facebook and just really promoting like, hey, book these. Honestly, I haven't done any advertising so far for the red panda encounters and we're already selling them out (laughs) so i'm not really worried um but that's just gonna increase the exclusivity of like this is so cool but you anyone can do it you just gotta nab it first right right very cool um you know i'm I'm guessing that pandas are the most popular but but what are the other like is it bears more or is it is it torts more or So we have them in three different levels um, based on pricing, and pricing is based on how popular they are. So um, I love them all equally, so I would just like to put that out there before I say the rest of this. So the goats and animal ambassadors are our lower priced level, and then in the middle are our Galapagos tortoises. Um, I actually – it was the one advocating it. I was like – they were down in the lower level. I was like, there's – that is so cool that you get to hang out with a 200, 300 pound tortoise. Like, let's not knock that. So they're mid-level. And then our high range are the bears, the red pandas, and the penguins. You have a favorite. You can tell me. You can tell me. No well, one's here's, listening. Here's the thing. <laughs> My favorites change on a day-to-day basis. Okay, I can actually understand that. Yeah. That's fair. You are are well-trained. Yeah. But no, I believe you're being honest. Yeah. Yeah, because I stared deep into your soul before I said that you have a favorite. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Like today, Lulu would probably be my favorite, but... I mean, the very first animal that I went viral with was Cheyenne or grizzly bear. Uh-huh. So because she happened to back it on up and scratch her butt on while I was filming and stuff. <laughs> and that went viral. And you just never know. So I, I do. I also I love because our goats make me feel better on bad days. I love them. Goats are amazing. Like goats are truly amazing. For the mm-hmm. longest time I had a rule when when Ross Safari was less podcast and more just a um a daily photo thing back when Instagram wanted mm-hmm. you to post photos. Oh, I still do it every that's day. That's a thing? It used to be. Yeah. How about I, that? I actually really miss it. Um, I'll post these incredible photos now and get 20 or 30 mm-hmm. likes when it used to be that my worst would get like, you know, at least a couple hundred and and it's, it's just a bummer. Right. But anyway, um, but I used to have a rule where I would only use portrait mode for goats. It was just this weird little thing. I'd be up close with pandas and I still wouldn't do it. It would only be for goats. And it was just a dumb little thing for myself. And I have since broken that a few times. But but goats goats are amazing. They really are. They yeah. really are. And they're always so excited to see you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, is there anything else you want to tell me about like your job or anything? Because I know everyone wants to hear the panda stuff. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, my job is not the typical marketing job. I get to... It's really cool is I get to go hang out with the animals and experience and get to know them and connect with them. Um, even though I am not working in animal care day to day, I still get to have those connections with them. And I still I cry when we lose them and I hate having to announce that. But it's really it's great to be able to connect with them. And see them on a daily basis. So that's really awesome. I feel like people like you and I have cracked the code because we get to have those experiences, including the bad, like to a point, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, when like, like when y'all lost, um, you know, a snow leopard here mm-hmm. last year, I, I'm sure the tears fell. And, oh, and I know, yeah. I mean, Colleen in the gift shop was, you know, devastated and we talked about that and everything. And like you build those connections. So you still have that. And same with me. I'm mm-hmm. in animals all around the country. And then, you know, think about how many losses there are at one zoo that are hard. Now think about the fact that I go to 170 some <gasps> zoos. So I know animals all over the place. It's so hard. There are weeks <laughs> where I see seven, eight, nine, ten announcements of animals that I've met or at least seen on mm-hmm. exhibit and really cared about that go. It, it's very hard. But we have cracked the code in that we also 
get to have the amazing experiences without cleaning the poop. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Although I do still have my poop stories. Poop story. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get there. Yes. Um, (laughs) I don't have to deal with it on a daily basis. Right. But it also means I am not considered cool to the public. Like, oh, you work at the Akron Zoo? What animals do you work with? I was like, oh, no, I work with marketing. And they're done. They don't want to talk to me anymore. This conversation's over. You would think that somebody who does marketing would be better at selling yourself. The correct response is I work with all of them. Yeah. Literally every <laughs> single animal. I get to go in all the time. And uh, yeah, I do marketing, but like, uh, I, you, you re- let me show you my, my panda boot videos. Like, come <laughs> on. You're the most interesting person at the bar every well, night. you got to understand. <laughs> sometimes I don't want to talk about it. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are like, so what do you do? And you're like, nothing. Walk away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to be in a mood of telling you that I work at the Akron Zoo, so you've got to be an in. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I have one more question for okay. you that about the job that I'm curious about. All right. So how are you assessed, for lack of a better word? How are you, you know, I know, you know what I mean? Like, how, how, how do they know whether you're doing a good job or not? How do your bosses determine whether they need to fire your butt or not? I'm just kidding. You just won an award. You're awesome. <laughs> but no, but seriously, like, how, how can you judge the effectiveness of marketing campaigns like that? There are a lot of different factors. And part of the marketing campaign is we've got to set those goals. Like, what are our goals for that specific campaign? Um, the most overarching goal that I can say is our attendance. What is our attendance? Are people coming? Um, and stuff. So that is our biggest thing that we have to think about in marketing. Um, so that's a biggest goal, but also it's how are people reacting to us online? Are they engaging with our content? Uh, do people know us? What's our word of mouth? Things like that. So it's not always clear cut on how to evaluate, but. You know, the awards help. Oh, they yeah, do. No doubt, they, no doubt. they help. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure. But like that's just so weird because like I'm I'm guessing I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that attendance was probably down this last year because of avian influenza. Not because of you, not because you didn't market well, but because you have a crap ton of birds here. Akron is known mm. for having a great bird collection and you have had to pull birds off yeah. exhibit multiple times, including penguins and people love Penguins. What's interesting, I'm not to knock the other birds in our habit. When in the fall, at first, we just took off the other birds, but we left the penguins out for a week. And then we ended up like, oh, it's getting a little too close. We need to pull the penguins inside as well. No one on social media noticed that the birds were inside until we took the penguins inside. <laughs> um, so that was very interesting to see that. And I know our bird people would hit me over the head for saying that, but. People love penguins. They're very popular. Uh, but yeah, no, this last year has been hard because not only avian influenza that we had those issues, but we also ran into the issue of inflation mm-hmm. and people are no longer having that um, stipend money anymore. And then also Akron went through a lot of civil unrest last year and that impacted us as well. So it's just, it was crazy, but we persevered. We didn't have record-breaking numbers or anything, but we're getting really close to pre-COVID numbers. Nice. And so that's where we want to be um, and are excited about. So I'm very optimistic about this year, if the first few weeks of January, anything to go by. Very good. Yeah. All right. And now it is time. It's time now. Actually, no, I lied. It's not time. I lied. Um, I, conservation organization, is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to or anything like that? It's not a conservation organization per se. It's a citizen science project. Oh, I like citizen science. Yes. So the Akron Zoo has just taken over the National Frog Watch really? program. So we have we are now in charge of Frog Watch USA. Yo, that's so cool. Frog yeah. Watch is awesome. Mm-hmm. So T- tell people what this is because I know. Yes. But, but that's so cool. You guys yeah. are so cool here. I yeah. love it here. AZA was um, looking to hand it over to a partner, and we said, "Pick us, pick us," and they did. Um, so we are very. excited. Excited this past fall that they handed over the reins of Frog Watch. And so what Frog Watch is, is there's different chapters throughout the country and it trains volunteers to go out to different areas in the neighborhoods and wetlands and stuff like that and listen for different frog calls. You're trained on all of that. Um, and tr- what you track the data and that data is then used by scientists to be able to indicate how is our environment doing and uh, pollution and all of that that they get to 
take into the factors and stuff because amphibians are an indicator species. So if something is happening to the in, the amphibian species, something is wrong with our environment that they are in. So uh, frog watch is really important. And it's also really important because it's not just zoo employees going out there. It's not just scientists. We are training day-to-day people to go out and play a role in protecting our environment. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Maybe we should talk to your marketing person about making a bigger deal about that. I did. <laughs> it was back okay. in October. It's, it's the algorithm though. Again, yeah. you know, I mean, it's hilarious what you do and don't see. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Even a place that I follow, you know, and, and have connections at and post about. Yeah. I post pictures from here all the time. And and yet sometimes it shows up and yep. sometimes it does. That's so yeah. annoying. But yeah. It is annoying. Yeah, I get it. But anyway... It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. So I was thinking about this, and I think the funniest thing recently that I have witnessed, so our white cheek gibbons, Milo and Parker, back at the end of 2021, had a baby named Lolani. And, uh... Our male Milo, he is quite the character. He's hilarious. I know he's been my poop story. Poop story. Before, because <laughs> uh, he peed on me. So it's not necessarily poop, but he purposely peed on me. So, but he's hilarious. And so I was, please let the baby be like him. Please let the baby be like him. <laughs> and I can now successfully say that I win. She has taken Milo's personality <laughs> and she's hilarious. But there was recently I was watching her play and be her crazy self and her mom Parker needed to poop. So Lolani decided to help her and just reached up and grabbed the poop <coughs> as Parker was going. Oh, no. And then put it in her mouth. Oh, no. Yes. No. So not only did she not, she ate mom's poop, not her own poop. Like, really? I I can't say she ever did that again because I don't get to watch her on a daily basis. But getting to see her do that, she just, she's trying to be helpful. Like, let me help you out, mom. <laughs> it's a poopsicle. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this. Absolutely. I'm glad you were able to come out and do our Red Panda Get Closer. Woo. Now let's go listen to that. She has absolutely figured out that she gets a lot of breaks for this. Those are my favorite words. <laughs> <laughs> and I am recording audio in here just in case anything's usable. Right. But Actually, if you guys want to switch places there, sure thing. and you can come a little bit closer to that. Sure so thing. There you go. So the first thing I'm going to ever do is come onto our scale. Up. So we take regular monthly weights to make sure she's staying healthy. That's good. So that standing behavior is something they do naturally when they're climbing. We just kind of capture that on the scale. I have to come over here for a second. Station. So this stump is her station. And that's just a specific spot that she goes to. This allows us to get a really good look over her body. We can work on other behaviors from there. I'm going to have her do a couple other things, and then you guys will have some better chances for some pictures. Okay, great. As though those aren't amazing pictures already, (laughs) but I'll take it. She is a ham for the cameras. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to show off a little bit of her climbing behavior here. Um, I know you've been around enough to know a lot of the normal red panda facts that I usually talk about doing these things, but um, this allows us to check out her climbing behavior, and people are always usually really interested by the fact that they always go up and down head first. Yes. Um, so I'm like, still fascinated by that. I it's like so cool. I like talk about their feet and how they're completely furred at this point, too. Uh, that still amazes me. <laughs> I actually met a raccoon yesterday and it was very weird seeing the difference in the feet Mm -hmm. because they aren't completely furred and those huge claws are sticking out and it's the same concept, but with the fur, they look totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, I have such a normal life. So I met a raccoon (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) Good. 
So while these guys are not the type of animals that like to be pet, we do do some tactile training with them uh, where we get them used to being touched on certain parts of their body. So we actually use a uh, topical heartworm medication for them monthly um, that goes right on their back of their neck, similar to what you would use with dog or cat at home. And so they're trained to be touched in certain areas so we can get that done and get a good look over them. So um, I'm going to actually hand you this. Whatever you want me to take. I'm going to keep a hold of the target pole, but you can feed her a few pieces oh, there. Uh, she prefers the grapes. Okay. Um, yeah, just kind of be a little quick about it. We want to avoid her grabbing at the tongs with her paws gotcha. if possible. Yeah. Um, there's craisins in there. Those are a little bit more for Penny. <laughs> that works. She'll eat the craisins, too. <laughs> that was Good always job. Coco's favorite. Good job, Penny. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard you guys talking on the way up. Coco did move to Philly. Yes. Uh, but we have gotten pictures and video from them, and it seems like she's doing real well there. She is. She is, yeah. I uh, I know two of the keepers there, and they're they're enamored. Good. Yeah. Hi. You're so good. They're such good eating. <laughs> she really is a ram. She's like, I see the target, but I see the phone. Good. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely here you know, for the camera. Penny is kind of the more typical panda of being a little bit more shy and cautious on things. You uh, know, it's really interesting to me, having met so many, how different all the personalities oh, are. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, uh, the hardware medication thing that I was telling you about, um, we used to have previous pandas on an oral medication, like a lot of our animals, they'll, uh, we would just hide it in food. Um, but we had one panda who figured it out, would not take it no matter what we put it in. And uh, so we ended up transitioning to a topical med. That worked really well. So uh, as we've gotten a new panda since then, we've just kept up on that. And our vet staff has actually said the research is showing that the topical formula actually works better. For wow. Okay. Um, I do not understand how topicals work. Like, I know it's a thing, <laughs> but like for heartworms, I don't yeah. understand it. I get it for you know, skin stuff, but I don't, I don't understand it on dogs either. It just makes no sense to me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you are here with us on this podcast. Here comes the doctor. You know her, you love her. I've had her on before. Here comes the editor. I needed help on this one, so I asked her for some more. Here comes the doctor. A really smart person, obsessed with behavior. Here comes the editor. So put your hands together for Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Hello, it is me, Dr. Zoe Rossi, not Vesley Gross anymore because we got married. Yeah, but updating files takes time. It's hard. The credits took a long, long time. <laughs> um, so I am here to explain topical medications, I guess. Um, most topical medications are actually absorbed systemically. So even though we're giving them onto the skin, um, at least preventatives like this that we're using for fleas, ticks, and heartworms, they are absorbed through the skin and kind of distributed all over the body. So they're not just protecting the area where you administer them. They're being absorbed like any other medication. They're just being absorbed through the skin instead of through the GI tract. So for flea, tick, and heartworm preventatives, um, those medications that we give are often things that we give on the skin rather than as oral medications. For domestic pets, often oral medications are easier for owners to give and you're more sure to give the right doses. But for red pandas, I guess the topical form has been shown to work more effectively. I was only able to find one paper about this quickly, and it looks like they used selamectin and ivermectin in that paper. Um, selamectin is the one of the active ingredients in Revolution, which is a common flea tick and heartworm preventative that's given to domestic cats. So my guess is that a lot of these red pandas are basically getting the domestic cat version of Revolution, and it sounds like it works for them. So I think that's what I was wanted here for. Yes, John, yay? Yes, John, yay. And now I'm going to go back to listening to me play with a red panda. Okay, bye. So, yeah, luckily these guys are much more accepting of something like that than me trying to hide, you know, three or five cc's of a medication in a grape. Right. <laughs> uh, these girls in particular, too. Here, you can feed a couple more pieces if you'd like. Okay. Um, if you insist. <laughs> in particular are uh, extremely picky. Um 
Are you picky? Oh, yeah. Here, She'll, find that. She'll find yeah. it later. Yeah, I'm not worried. <laughs> um, it will find its way to your belly. The, uh, as you know, most pandas enjoy things like apples and pears and mm-hmm. bananas. Um, these girls, just grapes. Okay. They absolutely refuse anything else. Um, banana is public enemy number one. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> um, apples, they will not eat. Okay, I'm going to... Target her back up. I'm gonna go ahead cool. and open the door, and we'll Sounds see if Penny good. wants to come on down. Elena, did you, you want to get anything? Right <laughs> that is my sweet girl. You just—you're always so perfect. <laughs> Bye. Bye. What kind of um, like other like are you guys doing? I know obviously bamboo, um, yes. but how are they with bamboo? And also, what kind of leaf eaters are they so, using? Or um, are they right now? They're still on a combo of the Missouri leaf eater and the Marion. Okay. Um, Marion has had some supply chain issues in the past year or so, so we are actually in the process of transitioning off of that. Okay. Um, they're still on a combo of it, but just simply because we at the moment. <laughs> She literally woke Penny. She off. really went in with Oh got my Penny. god, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Penny is absolutely annoyed right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, On today's episode of Panda Palace. Yes, you are you wanna step over here for a second. Sure. Thank you. There. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hi friend. Penny is <laughs> so annoyed. Yeah. So annoyed. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we are currently working on transitioning off the Marion just in case we wouldn't be able to right. get it at some point. Um, we will likely keep a little bit of it on grounds. Um, if these girls actually, because they're so picky, um, in the case uh, where we might have to get some sort of medication in them if they happen to get sick, uh, we did discover that they will take meds in a mash mixture of the Marion and some applesauce. Interesting. Okay. Um, so we may keep a little bit of it on grounds just as a backup for that. Um, but the, yeah, they're getting that. We have um, a large stock of bamboo here on grounds. Right. Um. They're just very nose to nose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Penny may actually come down in a few minutes. So we'll hang cool. out here for sure. a few minutes. Yeah. Um, we have a very large stock of bamboo that we grow here on grounds, um, mainly out on the edge of our parking lot. Um, Unfortunately, this year, when we had the super cold weather over Christmas, um, that did take a toll on a lot of our bamboo stock. But we have um, certain areas that we are still able to cut from. So while they're not clearing the stocks the way they normally would be at the moment, uh, they are eating enough of it for what they need. Right. Um, And we've actually recently increased their amount of biscuits to help compensate for the fact that not all of the bamboo is the best quality for them at the moment. Um, So, yeah, unfortunately, we got beat out by Northeast Ohio weather (laughs) this year. Um, but we have we have large amounts of it on ground. So when uh, when that weather happened, essentially the super cold air that we had combined with the wind essentially freezer burned it. Oh goodness! Um, Interesting. Yeah, and it actually caused a lot of the leaves to just fall straight off the bamboo, um, which they will then not eat. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, we actually have some backup areas that, uh, while we no- normally don't cut from, were uh, a little bit more shielded from the wind that weekend. So we were able to start cutting from our backup areas, and there's still enough that they are eating and staying healthy with. So they are all happy right now. <laughs> good. Of course they are. How have the uh, encounters been going? Pretty good. So we just started... Um, full on opening it to the public this month. Um, we ran some in the spring and then again in the fall as practice sessions with our staff. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I may have heard about one of them from a certain Colleen. I don't um, know. Yeah, you. So, uh, so yes, we've been running some practice sessions just to get them used to other people being in here. Obviously, right. they do recognize us. So having random people in a couple of times a week can be a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um but we work them up to that. So we've opened it up to the public. Um, so the plan is to run um, at least until May. Um, it will be uh, cut off for a little time during the summer because they don't work well um, during the summer months yeah. um, with the heat. And we can't always guarantee uh, what the weather is going to be or what they're going to be willing to do. So this will be more of a... Um, winter and early spring experience. That's awesome, um, though, because that's when you need to get people to the zoo so, anyway. Um, so. So, yeah, but, yeah, they are absolutely built for this. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, 
but uh, yeah, so far so good. And uh, we're actually looking at getting um, some more staff members trained in here too with them. So. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Now I know that, um, you know, Wild Asia is new here, obviously. Yes. Um, when y'all built this exhibit, because it's really cool for people that can't see it because, you know, podcast um <laughs> there is like the upper level where they are now and then there's this kind of lower level that's a little more hidden away that that's you know still outdoors still um fully um uh what like branched and everything so they can do the thing was this part of the idea was that you wanted to do exhibits or was this just like um you know an added bonus so this was kind of a um double reason for building this space. So this outdoor space we refer to as the off habitat. Right. Um, so yes, we can do public encounters back here, which is nice. And we do other training behaviors back here as well. Um, the secondary reason for this space is, uh, to have it in case we would have to separate anybody for maybe a medical reason. Um, while we do have perching in here for them, it is shorter than what is out on habitat. So this way they could still be sitting up in a tree comfortably, but we can still reach them. Um, and then uh, in the future, um, we have two females for the moment who are sisters, but uh, in the future we do hope to be breeding um, eventually. So, um, <laughs> um we do have an extra nest box sitting right here. And we would do mm -hmm. some extra renovations in the space uh, if we needed to separate a panda. Uh, for example, if we would have a female that would be pregnant, there would probably be a point where we'd have to separate the right. male for a little bit. So this way they could still have outside space as we work through those issues. So, okay. um, yeah, so it was built with um, many, many purposes to it. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Elaine, and, you'll be hearing from me if that happens. <laughs> me so yeah it's uh it was nice last year too as coco's behavior kind of showed us that she wanted a little extra space we actually opened this up last year and were able to just allow all three of them access to it as some of we noticed some of those behavioral changes so that coco or herself or the other two could come back here and get a little extra space from each other when they needed it right i love that very cool that's great yeah this is a this is an awesome exhibit. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. So we can actually head up inside too. Okay. Show you through the inside. Oh, that would bit. be awesome. Yeah, let's so, let's yeah, do let that. Me, Very uh, cool. You guys can head out and shut this okay. door. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye, pandas. Always my saddest sentence. <laughs> I literally, when I got here, the first thing I did, because I got here before I contacted you. Yeah. I said I was coming earlier, but I just didn't, you know, want to bother you. But um, so I, I came in and immediately came to the pandas and started taking pictures. And I'm like, I'm meeting them later. And yet here I am, like a goober, <laughs> still just snapping away. Uh, such a goofball. When Coco did leave, uh, we actually did a uh, gradual separation process. Mm -hmm. um, because... Even though she was showing signs that she would like a bit more space, um, we also knew that she herself took a little extra time to adjust to any large changes right. in her environment. So we did that very gradually. That makes sense. That's cool. That's an interesting thing to think about, actually. Uh -huh. <laughs> you have these two almost competing things that you have to think about. Yeah, yeah for me... It it kind of made sense. I'll be honest, like I myself, I'm not a big fan of big life changes. Ah. Uh, so that was one thing that I very much related to. Them. That's really funny. So we'll step in here first. Cool. Um, so we have just a basic kitchen area set up. Um, this was nice for us that, um, we're actually able to prepare their diets in here. Nice. So okay. we don't have to worry about bringing them over from another building. Uh, that was the one nice thing that ended up happening with the fact that they are kind of picky. <laughs> so we haven't been here with the two types of biscuits. Uh, we actually have a mini fridge that we were able to... Uh, get into that corner. <laughs> nice. That is, that's uh, a tight fit, but a good yes. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that so, where you keep their iced coffee and stuff? And... <laughs> uh, grapes. Oh, oh grapes that makes grapes. more sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, we can actually prepare their diets right here each day for the following day. Um, and we have a calendar that we keep track of all the events on. And I don't need the tea because we got a new doorknob yesterday. Oh, uh, <laughs> I have a weird question for sure. you. Have you ever tried any of the biscuits? No. Okay. I, I have, have not, not either, but I've tried like certain animal I, foods. I also, I have coworkers who have. Okay. Okay. Um, I also am a, a somewhat of a picky eater, so it's <laughs> not at all appetizing to me. Fair, but, fair. Yeah. 
I mean, yes, it would. Not necessarily you, but some of the keepers eating biscuits. I have I have tried a couple of different animal foods like that, and I haven't tried panda yet. But it is gross usually, but interesting and kind of fun. You know. I know our goat crackers are edible for human consumption, and some people have tried them. And the kids try them all the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have. <laughs> Oh, kids. Um, so, uh, so yes, this is our indoor bedroom space. This uh, is great. It's, uh, everything's a little wet right now. I actually did a big deep clean just a couple hours ago. So, um, trying normal. to impress me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually I have an exhaust fan on to help, um, dry things in here, but since it, it's a little loud, so I wanted to actually be able to talk to everybody. Thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, later I'll be setting up their PM feed and, and boom, bamboo in here for the evening. Uh, 99% of the time overnight, they have access to both this space and the outdoor habitat oh, wow. all night long. Um, so they have the shoot system that goes outside. Uh, the only time we actually lock them in is if we get below about 15 degrees. Okay. Um, so those few days right around Christmas where it was super cold, yes, they were in. Um, but that is actually... Only due to the fact that we have other animals that are housed in the lower level of this building. And the HVAC unit here controls the entire building. Makes sense. So we have to kind of balance everything between the different types of animals we have in here. Um, the pandas themselves would be absolutely fine with that. Right, right. Degrees. Um, so we do have perching. Uh, one of our maintenance guys was amazing when we first moved in here. First of all, this is now actually one of the oldest buildings on our grounds. Okay. Um, this indoor, the, the outside habitat is completely brand new, right. but, um, this space was actually renovated from an old primate holding. Okay. Um, and so all of our shift doors and everything is up high. <laughs> um, I have a step stool in here that is my best friend because I'm the short girl who fell in love with a tree dwelling species. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, but one of our maintenance guys was absolutely awesome when we started renovating in here. Uh, he actually built us an entire shelving system and ramps that goes all the way around the top. So there is a full circle. Um, yeah, you realize he did it. Russ, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Russ himself loves red pandas, so. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, so we do have some perching and different shelves in here. Um, while it doesn't look like it's a ton, partially that's because these doors open inward. And we do some of the training you saw plus other stuff inside. So I also have to have room enough to get myself in the crate in through the door. <laughs> no, that's fair. But also, no, I just, I mean, I've been to a lot of the indoor panda habitats and sometimes they're lucky to get one or two little items of perching just because of space issues. Yeah. I honestly think, yeah. especially with the yeah, hammock bringing, in here, this is great. Bringing, uh, bringing these large pieces of perching in was a project. Yeah, I bet it was. Uh, the hammocks also, there's a fun story behind those. Uh, that was actually something good that came out of COVID. Uh, when we went through the initial shutdown when the pandemic first hit, um, as a keeper staff, obviously we still had to be here every day taking care of the animals. Um, they split us into two large groups and we had some different schedules compared to normal. Um, but some of that allowed us to actually be able to work on some other projects while we are closed. And, uh, these two hammocks I actually built during that time. No. So. Cause that's yeah. out of fire hose, right? Yes. How? So. That's. Wow. Um, That's very cool. So we, there's a company called Hose to Habitat that actually teaches courses on how to make different enrichment items <laughs> from fire hose. And we have a ton of fire hose that is donated by local uh, firehouses. And um, so there is a nylon hammock that's out on Habitat. And uh, that one we keep out there because it's much easier to clean and rainwater will actually drain from it. Um so we decided to keep these in here, but I um, took the measurements from that one. So the one over here that sits a little bit higher, that is the same size as the nylon one. And then this one over here is just double. No, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty large. Actually, when you first said, start talking about like the COVID stuff, I was like, are you going to tell me you had to sleep on one of these hammocks? Because no. <laughs> honestly, that yeah. one you could probably curl up um, on pretty comfortably. To be honest, <laughs> the, the girls enjoy sleeping in that one. Okay. This one... 
um, I don't find them sleeping in as much, but Lulu enjoys using it as a trampoline. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Where when she gets excited, she will bounce from the perching and over the hammock and oh. uh, half the time she scares me when she does it. But yeah, she loves just bouncing across I can it. second that. I've witnessed it. <laughs> That's amazing. I love pandas so much. So, uh, so yeah, one of the other kind of ironically funny things about these girls in particular is they really like to poop in high elevated spots. Same. Wait. Uh, <laughs> um, so all of their litter pans in here are on high shelves. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, out on the habitat, there's one on top of the large rock. Uh, we were hoping they wouldn't go up there initially, but they did, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have. I have been here. Uh, when a keeper, it was not you, but somebody was, was having to clean it. Yes. And um, it was a journey for them because mm-hmm. you have to go up high. Yeah. And yes. yeah, yeah. 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 It, <laughs> oh, took us, it took us a few months to figure out the best ladder situation, but we now have a very nice ladder that works really well Good. to get up there. But, uh, but I did watch Lulu yesterday in the habitat walk past a litter pan to poop in your clean hammock. <laughs> yeah. I cleaned that up this morning. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I watched her do that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They, the hammock is kind of a 50-50 situation because they will, I, especially during the summer, they will lay in it. Uh, but every once in a while, they decide to poop in it too. And with them and other animals, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, you want things to be clean just so we don't spread germs. Um, but for them, it's also a form of scent marking. So when we clean and take away that scent, they want to put the scent back. <laughs> That is amazing. Uh, <laughs> 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 it again. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yes, I did clean it this morning. We'll see what they do by the end of the day. Um, but uh, in here, we also do some other forms of training. Like I said, the crate, uh, they actually, both of these girls are really good at creating. So they'll create anywhere, whether it's here or outside. Nice. Um, we also have this squeeze chute in here that was left over from the primate space. Um, so this actually slides back and forth. Um, and we're currently working on some training uh, to get them used to hip injections mm-hmm. um, that we'll use eventually for anesthesia. So we can bring them into this space. Um, and then uh, they're both really comfortable with going into the squeeze section now. And I'm actually going to be working with our vet staff here in the next few weeks to get them over here and start with just some practice poking uh, that we usually we usually start that with. Um, just having a paper clips threaded through a syringe. So it's a very blunt end, doesn't hurt them at all, but it'll get them used to that sensation. Very cool. So, um, the, for a squeeze, cause I've, I've heard the term a lot, you know, before, but it's literally just to describe it to my listeners. It's literally just like a quarter that you could walk through, like, like the rest of the habitat stuff. Um, and then you just have these handles that can control the back wall and you just push and pull. So you can like pull that like squeeze them i mean i guess that's why i call the squeeze without hurting them to yeah. just kind of restrain them if necessary right, right. and with cool. these guys uh, what happens is they uh they walk through this chute multiple times a day to go right. in and out so they're very comfortable being in here the one catch to doing an injection is that they may not always stand right against the mesh for us right so uh we want to work on that positioning and uh, sometimes getting them in that positioning can be a little confusing for them. So if we just have that extra wall there, we can literally guide them through a tunnel, right. essentially. And um, then as soon as that injection is done, we can push the wall back open. And, and they then, can go. Yeah. That's uh, cool. Can so I push that, it? Can I yeah. just feel how much? I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, it takes a lot to move it. Like that, with it, one handle, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually... It, like I said, this is one of the older spaces on right. our ground. So this building does have a little quirks into things may not move quite well, as well. No, I, actually, I was thinking it was actually probably a good thing, especially since I was one handing it, but like you, yeah. you don't yeah, want to accidentally. Can't really right. Move it on yeah. Your own. No, that's really cool. Uh, this is really cool. But uh, yeah, so we can uh, bring them into this space and just uh, be able to let them fall asleep in here so they don't hurt themselves on right. anything else that's in here as well. That's so cool. I really love this setup. I really do. This is, it's very, um, it's not a ton of room. Like it's a great space for the pandas. I'm talking about for humans, <laughs> but, um, it's really, really well appointed and you can really see like all of it has, there's a lot of logic to it. And I think that's really important. I think it's, it's a really, really good setup for the pandas. I really like it. 
the logic is probably a lot of my brain. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. That's very cool. That's how my brain works. <laughs> Good. Very cool. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for this. Sure. I'm glad you could come. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks, an episode that really had it all. Elena, Lisa, Zoe, Colleen laughing in the background, Lulu, me, Goofy Songs, a record scratch. You know what? I'm just going to say it. You're welcome. That was a good one, y'all. And uh, while we're on thankful words, I'd also like to say thank you to Lara Shank and Kristen Dickey, who are my Red Panda level patrons. Um, you can become a patron for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash rossafari. And you get some cool bonus perks, including bonus audio from many of the episodes, including this one. Um, Elena and I kind of have a deep conversation about what it feels like being part of the team but also not actually a keeper and like what it feels like when you lose an animal and stuff like that we, we go into some deeper deeper conversations so that audio is out there exclusively for my patrons by going to patreon.com slash rossafari you too can get that bonus audio um and yeah so i just wanted to say real quickly that i really really love seeing how this podcast keeps growing and developing and the fact that Back in 2021, Akron had a new campaign for their Wild Asia thing, and um, they they wanted you know to have an episode about it and and feature feature it on the pod it was very cool. And now here we are in 2023, and the same thing's happening again. And I don't know, it just it feels really special to be able to help really good facilities get the word out about the amazing things that they're doing and offering. So um, I'm grateful to Elena, and I'm grateful to everyone at the Akron Zoo. They are so cool and so supportive and it's just it's just an amazing place if you haven't been you really need to get there and while you're there go do a get close and remember friends the word credits backwards is Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.